Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business podcast, where parenthood meets professional development. We'll be covering all things business, flexible, and remote work with kids. I'm your host, Amy Lynch, and I'll be interviewing inspiring guests who've been showing up as their full selves as parents and blurring the lines between their personal and professional lives. Visit mixingbabiesandbusiness.com to join our movement to parents seeking to invest in themselves alongside their kids. The next interview series on the podcast features Heather Payne, a parent and the CEO of Juno College, formerly HackerU. Heather founded Ladies Learning Code in 2011, since rebranded to Canada Learning Code with offerings for all ages, and has been named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women in the trendsetters and trailblazers category, as well as one of the Globe and Mail's top 12 Canadian innovators at work. This is the first of three many episodes of our conversation which took place in December. Stay tuned for future episodes where we talk about all things parenthood, disrupting the tertiary education sector, and the need for access to affordable childcare. This is part one of my chat with Heather. Let's get into it. Well, my first question was about how your workflow has changed during the pandemic and, you know, what what does an average day or week look like for you right now? But when I was reading the recent media interviews for you, I feel like you started off the pandemic selling your uh, campus and then you were renovating your Toronto location. It looks like that's still ongoing. I mean, the restrictions are changing all the time, depending on where you're living in Canada and if your kids are in school or daycare or not. Um, And with you having a physical space to go to work to, but not actually being able to open it to the public, how does an average day or week look for you right now as a founder? Yeah, so the pandemic has been obviously really interesting to go through and it's been really interesting to try and guide my company and and my family through this um, challenging time. Um, So, you know, when it first hit, the biggest thing on my mind was, okay, so I run an in-person school. We've only ever done in-person classes. And so now all of a sudden, you know, the Toronto District School Board is shutting down. We're shutting down too. And so we had to completely move our our whole model to be an online school. And the team really rallied around that. And, um, you know, that that has ended up working out really well for us. So that was sort of like number one thing that I had to deal with. Um, As soon as the, you know, I have have two young kids and as soon as their daycare was closed um, in March, my husband and I just decided that we would go um, to our cottage, which is in Prince Edward County. So we actually spent uh, more time there than we ever have. Um, We mostly... Airbnb it. We bought it as an Airbnb and we have people staying there all the time and um, we go there occasionally, but this was our first time spending like a long time there. So um, that was really nice. And our nanny came out with us. So she kind of lived in her own sort of bunky area and she stayed there with us. And um, it was really nice to, to be out there for a bit. And then um, end of July, we came back to Toronto and sort of got into the rhythm that we're in now. So my kids are back in school. Um, My daughter's in kindergarten, uh, JK, my son's in daycare. And so every day, it's basically we get up, uh, get the kids out the door. um, We drop both the kids off at their schools. um, And my husband and I are working from the Juno office, even though my husband doesn't work for Juno. He uh, has his own business. Um, He's kind of working from here with me. And and there's no one else here. It's just the two of us for the most part. and it's just because it's closer to our kids' school uh, on purpose. That's how I chose their school is is somewhere close to the office. So um, it's just easier to come here than to, to schlep all the way back to our house. So it's been, um, you know, nice in a lot of ways, though, because it really allows us to leave our work at, 
you know, the office. Um, so it provides some nice separation at a time when it's actually really hard for people to get separation between work life and home life. And, you know, given that we're both entrepreneurs and have our own businesses, that kind of forced separation has been working really well. Um, my husband still works in the evenings often. Um, I do sometimes as well, but it's just a little bit of a forcing function to help us have a bit more balance at a time when it, it can be really hard to have that. Yeah. And I saw that, um, you know, you mentioned you hadn't really considered going online before, or you weren't really keen to do it straight away until the pandemic hit. Um, and I saw that you had someone on your team already kind of researching options and staying on top of things as they unfolded. So was that a quick pivot for you in the spring or was it kind of a gradual rollout for your team and your students? Yeah, luckily someone on our team, um, my VP of operations and finance started sort of watching the pandemic unfold in early February. And we started making plans for, you know, what would happen if we actually had to shut down. I think I really didn't believe it was real though. Like I was happy we were making these plans. I was like, that's great. That seems very responsible. Um, but I, I really didn't like accept or expect that we would actually have to do it. So it, it still took me by surprise. Um, there was a lot of adrenaline in those days. Um, and, you know, luckily the team just rallied together around the challenge um, so much and everyone got involved in making, making it work. And so the transition took, you know, a few days ultimately um, and was really smooth. We collected a lot of feedback from students. That's sort of our secret sauce is like, we just ask for feedback all the time. Um, so we asked for so much feedback in those early um, online classes to find out, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like. And then we just did more of what they liked and less of what they didn't like and got to the point today where I would say it's the same quality um, as our in-person classes were and has been for, for quite a few months now. And in a lot of ways, it's better. There's some things that are really cool about this, you know, including the fact that we have people now joining us from all over the world, um, including the fact that we have more parents in the course now than we did previously, um, because it allows them to maybe better balance both school um, and their family responsibilities, um, we, including having some parents who are still breastfeeding, for example. And the fact that they can do the course from home means that they're able to actually come to Juno rather than having to put off that opportunity for the future. So there's some really cool silver linings for the company um, and for like our, 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 our mission in all of this. And I, you know, on the hard days, I try and look at those silver linings and, and you know, feel, you know, as, as grateful as I can for the fact that those silver linings exist. Can we talk about your investors or your partners at all in um, in the sense of have you had to communicate with them more frequently during the pandemic or has that relationship changed at all? Yeah, Juno's investors are pretty hands-off. Um, they are uh, largely my friends and people that I have known for many years um, who put some money into the company when I made that an option last year after going through Y Combinator. Um, and so I did... Uh, send everyone an, an investor update in early March. Uh, I did not mention COVID in that investor update. So that just shows you sort of where my mind was at. I, I obviously didn't think even in early March that it was um, something that was really coming for us. And so that was, I was wrong about that in a big way. Um, I'm preparing an update now as well. Um, but the thing that about you know, the thing about Juno that I've always been really grateful for and that I think makes us a bit unique is that, you know, we do have these investors and, and um, you know, I care about them very much, but ultimately the company is profitable and will continue to exist, um, you know, no matter what. I'm not on a path of needing to raise more money down the road. And so um, the person who's sort of in control of Juno is me. And um, I'm, you know, always happy to answer my investors' questions and respond to their emails very promptly. But 
um, ultimately when it comes down to it, um, I get to choose the fate of this company and, and they trust me to make good decisions. So um, I'm excited to send them an update soon on how things are going, but it, it's just because I'm so excited about how the company is doing and, and the potential for us now that we can truly have um, a global reach and global scale. Yeah. And so speaking of profitability, I saw that, so you're offering an ISA or in, income share agreement. Is that mm-hmm. what it stands for? And um, so it's like a, it's not so much a pay what you can, it's choose your option, I guess, a dollar right. upfront or the full tuition. And then you take a percentage of their income once they're making over 50,000. That's right. So that reminds me of, um, I was living overseas before and in Australia, they have it so that it's based on your income when you graduate university. So it's called hex debt Mm. there. Um, And I was always amazed at that as a Canadian, what you don't have to (laughs) sign up for the equivalent of a mortgage down payment to educate yourself. So it is a novel thing that you're doing. And there are some other companies doing it, but you don't see a lot of them in this space offering it for the type of offering that you're doing, right? So Mm -hmm. have you experienced a lot of pushback from people, maybe not understanding what it's, what the purpose is, or they think there's an ulterior motive behind it? Hmm. How do you kind of, you know, when you're testing something new and kind of breaking barriers and trying to think of the end user or the, the person that you're serving from the very beginning, have you been met with a lot of kind of naysayers or people who are skeptical of what you're doing? Yeah, so we're about a year and a half in to our income share agreement offering, um, which is actually a bit too soon to say whether it's a success or not. Um, Because the students, you know, they need time to learn, they need time to get a job, they need time to start making their payments. And their payment term is actually five years. So they have five years to make 24 monthly payments. um, And it could be all at the end of those five years. So we wouldn't actually see any of that money for, you know, still years to come. So it's still very much an experiment uh, for us. And, you know, we're hoping that it works out, but we're really careful to just use basically our own profits to fund these income share agreements. Um, So again, we're not beholden to investors or anything like that. And, you know, um, we're hopeful that it works out because if it does, we'll be able to offer more and more and more. We'd be more comfortable going and getting a loan, you know, from a bank to be able to offer income share agreements to anyone who wants one, but we can't do that until we have the data. So we're sort of in this like sort of holding pattern as we wait to see how this all unfolds. And unfortunately, COVID has had a negative impact on our data because it's taking people longer to find jobs now than it did um, pre-COVID. So we're sort of, it's it's a bit slower even than I had originally wanted. In terms of like naysayers, I would say there's there's two groups. Um, there's a group of like companies and people who are like, that sounds too good to be true. And they just don't believe that um, it's a good idea for Juno to do it. Um, so they're more looking at our model and saying like, there's no way that that's going to work. Um, and then in terms of students, I would say there's a lot of disbelief at first sometimes. And then as the students dig in and realize that like it really is as simple as it is, um, then people are, are pretty sold and pretty excited. We remain today you know, pretty much the only school in Canada that offers income share agreements. And I believe we're the global innovator of this, you know, what we call the pay what you can ISA, which basically allows someone to pay, you know, as little as a dollar, as much as 11999 or any amount in between. So it really allows people to pay the amount that they can pay for their education. And the more you're willing to pay up front, the less you'll pay overall. Um, so if someone can afford a $6,000 down payment, they will end up paying less over the years um, than someone who only pays a dollar up front. Um, but we think it's a really a, a good option for people for them to be able to really, you know, 
exactly hone the cost of their education to a place where they're comfortable and also hone the risk. You know, we have a lot of students who could afford to pay upfront for their tuition or could afford to get a loan or borrow money, um, but they still choose an ISA because of their comfort level with risk. They like the idea that they're not going to have to pay for their education unless it works and unless, you know, um, you know, can can deliver what we say we're going to deliver. So um, there's a variety of reasons that people like ISAs and I, I wish we had more available. We like to expand it over time, but at the moment, our budget is a about um, about 25% of um, the revenue from each cohort uh, we put toward ISAs. Big thanks to Heather for taking part of her day to answer my questions about altering her workflow, adapting her program delivery model, and dealing with disbelief when it comes to creating a new way of doing things. Stay tuned for the next two episodes where we'll talk about flexible programming, on-site childcare, and creating the university of the future through Juno College. Check out Heather and her work at junocollege.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network and leave a review. It helps other parents find the podcast. You can access more parent-friendly professional development, flexible and remote work with kids resources on my website at mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Thanks for listening.